and welcome back to another edition of Afterthoughts with Kelly and Joel. And I am Kelly here to bring you another fantastic episode. And with me, as always, is my wonderful and supportive husband, Joel. Hello. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today? Good question. No. <laughs> Uh, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yep. A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court by Mark Twain. So we are going to be starting off with the first five chapters. Now, this is an interesting first five chapters. It's a pretty big book. However, it is kind of shown in the how the first five chapters are arranged because... The protagonist, we do not even know his name yet, and it's just sort of creeping into it. So, to get started, why don't you take us off with the very beginning? Oh, thank you. Oh, it's I... fine. I can do it if you would <laughs> no. like. So, so uh, editor's note, we have been talking about doing this for a few months now. Yes. Like we talked about and decided we were going to do this book. We kept on telling ourselves, okay, we'll start with chapter one to three, but not much happens in chapter one not to three. Not at all. Uh, so we went to one through five, and then uh, holidays came, uh, life happened, and we're here now. Uh, funny thing to note, the audiobook is voiced by Nick Offerman. I love him. Uh, of Office and Recreation. Uh, Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation fame. Wow. Um, <laughs> he has... He has a good voice for this. He's he got those really dulcet does. bass tones. Uh, fits the book very well. This yes. book starts with a foreword, which talks a lot about like how this book is a product of its time. Yes. And some of the mannerisms and phrases that are used aren't necessarily reflected uh, of when it was written. Yes. So it is funny that that kind of preface from the author existed this far back. Mm -hmm. uh, shows the sort of sensibility that uh, he recognizes that while he was writing to try to embody the time and place, the language used wasn't quite reflective of the common culture of the time. And maybe there might be things that are kind of... Uh, a little not, off. A little off, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, that's that's to be expected with a, a book that is set during... Arthurian times. Mm -hmm. I mean, we that's that's the Middle Ages. We can't really know and fully experience that. But it's brilliant in its own right because it starts off with this man who is a Connecticut Yankee. So he's just sort of doing his own thing. He's a boss um, in in an in office environment. Is he? I, I thought that like his, I thought he mentioned that like his father was a horseshoe or, or a maker or like a, a armorer or some sort of blacksmith and that he did some sort of trade similarly to that. Okay. Quote unquote office, but nonetheless, he had people under him. So he was sort of the, um, sort of a boss manager type person, but he had, from what I recall, a disgruntled employee. Mm -hmm. And it, this is where it gets painful. He gets swatted over the head with a crowbar. So 
he's out like a light. And when he comes to, he is in a completely different place. He's like under a tree or something like that. So he's, he's sort of just sort of transported into time through time, but he doesn't know that yet. So what happens is he's seeing things and he doesn't recognize them. However, he decides to kind of go along with it and, and find out what's going on. And then he finds people who are kind of, you know, they're just travelers or whatnot. And he's wondering what's going on because they're all dressed in a very strange manner and they're all talking in a very strange matter, manner. So do you know, can you recall where he thinks he is? Uh, he thinks he's nearby an insane asylum. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, he, because the, the whole point, and maybe I'm misremembering some of this, but he comes awake and he encounters some traveler and they yes. stop for the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the traveler like almost runs him over basically. Yes. But then he stops for the night. He gets his traveler companion littered up. I see. I can't remember that part. Yeah. There, there's, there's, cause there's like, there's sort of a strange disconnect in this because the Yankee who is currently unnamed. Yes. Uh, he encounters this person on a horse who then they stop for the night. But, like, the Yankee has whiskey or bourbon or some sort of liquor yeah. that he misses a drink and gets his companion liquored up. And then, like, okay. they start having a conversation by the campfire. Yeah. And the littered up one goes down for the night mm-hmm. but hands the Yankee a book to read. Yes, okay. And, and the book has to do with, like, tales regaling... Uh, Sir Galahad and King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Yes. Uh, so it, it one thing that is tough to parse out in this first section is like, what part of this is the Chanty Yankee story, mm-hmm. and what part of it is the narration of this book that the other person had? Yes. Uh, that's something that like I had to listen to it a few times to try to really grasp. And I, you know, the sad part is I'm still not quite sure <laughs> I grasped I, it completely. Uh, yeah. Because like what happens is that you get to like chapter two, mm-hmm. right? And then it moves on to chapter three, and when it moves on to chapter three. The narrator says, chapter one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so he's he's talking in two different ways. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the the cool part of it is that there's he's narrating, but he's like narrating two different stories. Exactly. So it's kind of fun. You don't know if it's the you know, you don't know if it's the liquor, you don't know if it's the crack across the skull, you don't know if it's, you know, him just talking in this this time period in which he's reading this book it, it's really not known at this point nothing is is terribly uncovered so what's really happening is that to um not really fast forward to but to get to where he was picked up by someone who is bringing him to the palace to see king arthur he thinks and he's talking to him and he's like He's like, okay, so is this, you know, is this an insane, are, are you a part of this insane asylum or are you like a a, a normal person? Right, because the person taking him in is 
person on horseback mm-hmm. who is like a regent for either it was either Galahad or Lancelot. Yes. I forget which was it Lancelot. I think. Or was Galahad? That's a good question. It's one of the two. I want to say it was, I I say it was Galahad. Okay, it was probably uh, Galahad. But like as he's being brought in and. The, the squire or whoever this is is telling him, like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to this court. They're going to try you. And then you'll probably be locked up until either your friends come out and pay the the bribe or you'll be you'll rot in prison. Yeah, he's just he's you very know. matter of fact about it. So but when he's talking, he's like, OK, well, he's a part of the insane asylum. So he's not convinced at all as to what's happening. Right. And even once they get to King Arthur's castle like he is still talking to people around him just like hello good sir like can, can you tell me you know where where the asylum is or yes. are, are you an inmate at the asylum well and and while he's riding in because he's in like a cart or something like that being pulled mm-hmm. and the people let's not forget this part because this is this is kind of funny he sees these people and they're all looking at him and he's like, why are they looking at me like this? They're the ones dressed in this weird, you know, garb or whatever. And he can't figure out he's the one who is out of place. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, one thing this book is very good at is painting a scene mm-hmm. with the words. Yes. Like, and, and I think that's part of what makes it a little challenging to talk through it a little bit because it's it's not so much a lot of story beats happening in the sequence it's a lot of fleshing out the mm-hmm. way the world is the conversations between him and other people yeah him being bewildered and over and over about what's happening does he'll again he will look at a horse and then see like there's horse armor on the horse plus there are these like sashes and stuff that look very regal and talking about how he will talk to people and they will be very old Englishy and language vernacular that doesn't make sense to him or seems out of focus. Right. There is even a point where he asked somebody what the date is and then it's like 500 or something like that. It's like 500 years in the past. Yeah, right. And he, he has a brief moment where he's just like, oh my God, I'll, I'll never see my friends again. Yes. But... <laughs> He's like, okay, this is weird. And this is when he starts thinking, okay, maybe something's off. Maybe I did go back in time. And he's like, it was June. And he's like, in three days, there's going to be a solar eclipse if this is this part in history. And he's like, if there is an eclipse, then I will believe this is the time period they say it is. Mm -hmm. So he's now waiting for this eclipse to happen. And then he'll be convinced but it's it's really it it's really 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 setting the scene for this entire book to happen. So, and again, it's a thicker book, so there's a lot going on, but when Mark Twain writes, he writes in pictures. Mm-hmm. Sort of like Huckleberry Finn or, you know, Tom Sawyer, you know, stuff like that. He did not mince words and he didn't skimp out on, you know, just excellent writing and pictures and being illustrative in his discussion. That's one thing that makes Mark Twain such an incredible writer. So he's he's got the scene set and he's going to see King Arthur at this point. And I would like to note, there is, and I didn't realize this until recently, 
There is a Disney movie, I believe, called A Kid in King Arthur's Court that is based on this novel. Yeah. So it's silly, but it's, you know, it's kind of fun. And I thought it was a cute kind of movie. So, I mean, at least for Disney movie purposes, but... It was funny. I, the Did it start the guy that was in Sandlot? Like the taller kid in Sandlot? I think it I, did. I feel like it did. It was in that same time It was range. in the same and time like, period. I, I think even... The kid on the cover was wearing, like, a baseball jersey. and Yes. No, that's what happens. He is, it's during this baseball game, and it's not going very well for him. Uh -huh. So what, I don't remember what happens if he gets hit by something or someone or whatever, but he goes and he gets knocked into King Arthur's court. So it's like a pause in time. Right. And then he gets knocked into King Arthur's court. Um, but from what I recall, it was, like, down a, like a type of hole. So he actually feels going down, and and he yeah, it's it's kind of fun. It's a cute movie, but it's, it's a Disney adaptation. Of yes, literature. <laughs> and and back in the nineties, and it's a product of its time. But you know, I mean, it stars Kate Winslet, and oh, uh, there's somebody else in there who's notable, but I can't remember who it is. But anyway, it's cute, and it's sort of based on that whole thing. Um, but anyway. He's, uh, it's called a Connecticut Yankee because, you know, Yankees, the term Yankee is actually noted as being Americans. And so, of course, as you know, in Arthurian times, it was all based in England. So, mm. so he's being seen as this kind of creature coming into their world. And, you know, it's, it's fair enough because if someone came to our world from that time, I think we'd have some problems too. But. Well, you think about like... You remember that game, The Forgotten City, I played last year? Kind of. What was it about? It was that game where you're stuck in a time loop back in like a Roman era. Oh, yeah, thing, that's trying what that was. trying to figure out why you're stuck there. I like, see. You, you talk to people in that game, and the first thing they say is like, you've got very curious clothes you're wearing. Yes, I even, remember. And there's even a, uh, a traitor who like almost obsesses over like you have to tell me how these scarves yes. are yes <laughs> i forgot about that yeah. game yeah. yeah that was that was very interesting because he was of a different time right see it's it's funny how classics of their kind become adaptations and they are um remakes of all sorts it's sort of like the monkey's paw when it's it's been made into a thousand different versions a christmas carol the same way you know, a, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court is not as well known as those books, however, or books dash short stories. However, it is um, it has been made into different things, and I find it incredibly interesting. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited to sort of get more into this and get farther into it because it's detailed and I love detail. If, if you skimp out on detail, that leaves the mind with no picture or imagery. So I'm very excited. I'm not at all upset about the the intro being so elongated, I suppose you can say. It sets a foundation. Yes. Like, like there, there's not much character development or uh, sequence of events. The, the sequence of events are, I wake up being sort of... And not enslaved, but captured by this person. I'm being taken to King Arthur's court. I am befuddled by what's happening and what people say are happening, and mm -hmm. I'm having trouble parsing reality from fiction. Yes, uh, I mean he's he still has the mindset of just like 
I'm not crazy, but I need to prove to these people that I'm not yes, <laughs> crazy. Yes, so it, I have to prove to them. But it is it is all scene setting besides that. They do a great job of describing the, the court because they had this sort of like, it was literally like a courtly system. Mm-hmm. The the knights would be sitting there. There would be people regaling tales of, of adventure and who they saved and how many monsters they vanquished. And there was even part where I think it was Lancelot being up there like telling his tales. And one of the other captives was telling the Yankee like, you know, it, it would have been 20 men if he had three beers more. Yes. How much he would be exaggerating yes. his, his exploits if he had been a little more littered up. Yes. So, and if I have, and I hope I do have any of my eighth graders listening, because I will give extra credit for this. If you do this, you will have the keyword for this episode. It is Excalibur. Excalibur. If you can tell me that word, I will give you extra credit on the next quiz or test, whichever one comes first at this point. So, see, I thought it was gonna be littered. No, <laughs> stop it. You are terrible. Yeah, well, anyway, but you know, one there are a lot of just quippy lines, in yes, this too. You know, that, that's part of what's fun about the descriptions is, is that like they give the Yankee, as well as other people, these very like snappy, withering comments. Yes. One thing, one one that made me chuckle during this was uh, the Yankee was telling to someone, "Go long," I said. You ain't more than a paragraph. Yeah. Oh, I love that like, line. Like it's such a. He goes, "Yes." He's like, "So, oh, what was the line? It was brilliant. It was something about." Oh, it was like a page or it was well, it was based off of a a famous saying. Yeah, but like he he is clearly being denigrating mm-hmm. about the person's size, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, and he's like you ain't more than a paragraph and that was a brilliant line it's, and It's just a such a clever way yes. to express sort of disdain towards yes, somebody. Yes. Yes, you know, exactly. To the point where like if you said this kind of stuff today, it would fly completely under the radar oh, yeah. to people that you were insulting them. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's just brilliant dialogue. Mm-hmm. He talks in a way where it is understandable, but you're seeing this. Because of that, you have more imagery, and you're seeing this through the eyes of a present-day American. Right. And that makes it all worth it because you're seeing two sides of the coin. The Arthurians are speaking in their almost language, sort of like a you know Shakespeare Shakespearean language, um, but Arthurian language. And he's like, okay, you're insane too. So <laughs> is he is seeing, and he's not getting the fact that he's like, why are these people staring at me? I'm not the one who's crazy. I'm not the one who's dressed like this. I, you know, they are. And he's just it, kind of cocky and arrogant about it. Well, and it goes back to he keeps on asking more and more people, like, are, are you one of the workers here? Or are you part of the asylum? Are, are you a patient? Exactly. Are you a patient? Or are which, you just... Which, like, it, it's funny in and of itself that uh, he has to ask these things of people. But then, like, 
the idea that he's going to get a straight answer from somebody who's in an asylum. Yes, <laughs> if, exactly. If that were even the case. Well, see, that's the thing, though. He decides that he is going to um, listen to what they have to say. And if it doesn't make sense, he's like, okay, then they're in an asylum. If they make sense, they're sane. Yeah. So he's not getting that from people. And then all of a sudden he, you know, he's like, okay, you know, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I was, you know, knocked back 500 years. And, you know, it's, it is just a great story. Mark Twain had a way of writing that made people, it made it relatable to the people of the time. Yeah, it's, he didn't, he wasn't highfalutin in anything. He just wrote. And this is one, this is no exception. So I'm really excited to go more into this and be able to discuss this more and more. And I think, you know, we will be able to get into some great discussions about this. Kind of, you know, you know, we maybe even a little bit of a debate here and there. So a debate. Um, oh, whatever. You know what I mean. So, one thing I will say is that if I look back on preparing for this conversation, I feel like I should have actually read the book instead of done the audiobook. Or, if I had to do the audiobook, read along with the audiobook. That, that's what uh, I did. That's what I do. And that's fine. Some books I feel like I can get the information. I know, but I Just fine. The audiobook. But this one, in the way Mark Twain writes, and the fact that you can gloss over some of the actual events with just the descriptions and things, mm-hmm. you can kind of get lost in the conversation that's being sent to you in the audiobook. Uh, whereas I feel like if you actually read the book, you can just like sit, absorb it a little bit, and then come back to the next chapter or mm-hmm. something. So uh, anybody listening, I would encourage you to, at the very least, have a copy of the book with you while you listen so you can have some way of actually like seeing the words on the, the page mm-hmm. and being able to have that time to reflect. Oh, reading, and this is why I do this, especially with my eighth graders, and of course we're going to start Fahrenheit 451 very shortly here, but one thing I always do with all of my classes is have the audiobook along with the paper or the, the words. Because some people learn better by listening, others learn better by reading. That way you have both. So I think it's an excellent way for everybody to do this. So read and listen at the same time. And I think you won't be sorry to do that. I I think this is a journey to go on that is completely worth it. And after a Connecticut Yankee, we're going to delve right into the Lord of the Rings and that is worth every second and every sentence and every word because it's just so brilliant. So Well, you say that now, but we haven't, you haven't actually read it yet. Well, no, I haven't done that. You've read the Lord of the Rings. I, I have. So I am going... Yeah, but see, I, at least I have you to help explain to me some of those terms that may be a little wobbly. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. It's been a lifetime ago since I've read that. My, my knowledge of those series has been constrained to the movies anymore of course <laughs> like, but like, i mean and, and frankly 
what I would like to do probably is start with The Hobbit. Mm, yes, because, I think that's a good idea. Because The Hobbit is almost like a children's story. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's not quite as... Like, The Lord of the Rings, so much of it, like Twain, is world building. To where, yes. like, you can get lost in chapters of just them describing, like, a lineage of people. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and a city or... And that's why I think it's it's a good idea to read it and... Listen to it and come and tune into our podcast because we will explain it. Maybe learn a few things here and there about what you might have missed or what you might want to know more of. So, you know, we're going to take that journey with all of our books and hopefully you all read along with us and we can have this little, you know, f- book club together if you will so but you're you're getting ahead of ourselves here. i know i know but i'm excited <laughs> we, we still have the rest of this book of to course. complete and it from the sounds of it we're just starting our journey mm-hmm. so it'll probably be a, at least a couple more conversations of course and that. that's that's wonderful in and of itself i'm good with it so but anyway i'm, I'm getting ahead simply because i'm super excited but you know um You know, once again, I will have extra credit for those of you who listen, and I will, you know, maybe throw in an Easter egg or two sometime, you know, maybe just to pay, just to see if you're paying attention. So, you know, reading comprehension, it's all about reading comprehension. So we start with that, and we will uh, continue this later. Do you have anything else you want to add to this? Because that's pretty much where we stopped. No, I I think given the material, we've sort of covered as much as we can in, yeah. in this medium of conversation. Yeah. Uh, really, it's this is one of those things where like worksheets would yes. probably help just to like elicit a, a memory yeah, <laughs> a little bit course. after reading it. Yeah. You know, it's it is because the events are jam packed with just this dense world building in the language being used. Yes. That it makes it. I mean, I say harder to have a conversation, but we've been here for a spell. So it's, you know, the, the conversation is the description. Here, you know? This is what I would suggest. This, another thing I like to do is go over characters. You read, you read the back of the book. You read up on the characters. You find out more about them, and it makes it easier to understand. So don't give me that look. I just told I. It's the same thing with the audio versus reading with the audio. It's you have to you have to take my word on this a little bit. So anyway, we will be back next week with another stirring and epic rendition of Afterthoughts with Kelly and Joel. So um, stay tuned. Get your books ready and listen for those keywords. And we will see you very shortly. You ain't nothing but a paragraph. Whatever, shut up. Get over it. (laughs) Get over yourself. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, we will see you all soon.